That's East Proctor. All about here at Moors. I go this way. Thanks for the ride, sir. <clears throat> you have lovely sheep. Boys, keep off the moors. Stick to the roads. The best of luck. Thanks again. I'm gonna miss you. Bye, girls. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait. You haven't seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically... We talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode 186, and it is the start of October and spooky month. And so, just like we did last year, my three co-hosts from Gore are on, and we're going to talk scary movies all month. And those three co are the lovely Wicked Kitten. Hello! Uh, let's see, is it the uh, Ethereal Fae? <laughs> yep. Hi. And uh, that guy over there in the corner, Dreadlord. Hello. I'm also <laughs> here. Hello. So our movie to kick off the month is the monster movie. Now, last year we watched The Host. You all hated that. Yes. And uh, so we just... They did. I enjoyed yeah. it. Okay. Well, <laughs> cool. everyone so, taste hated it. <sighs> mm. uh. This year, we went a little different route with our, our monster movie, uh, America, An American Werewolf in London. And I almost called it In Paris. That was the, quote, sequel. Um, well, I'm sure that'll get brought up at some point. But An American Werewolf in London, 1981, uh, written and directed by John Landis. And I had seen this before, but it had been so long since I had seen it. It may as well have been my first time seeing it again, because I think I've seen this movie one other time all the way through. And I don't even remember how old I was um, when I saw it. But Monica, what's your history with An American Werewolf in London? Okay, so I had seen American Werewolf in Paris first. And okay. thought that that was just a movie. And uh, I found out sometime after that that, there was, that this was a sequel. And went back and watched the original. I forget, it has been a while but I've probably seen it twice before this and then many, many scenes from other things. But, uh, but yeah, so I saw this later in life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm actually like you. I had seen uh, American werewolf in Paris first, um, knowing that it was a sequel, but I saw it in theaters and then I went back and saw this and that was the first and only time I saw London. So, um, dreadly. What was your what is your history with an American werewolf woman? <laughs> it's if a I... very short history because um, I watched this movie for the first time somewhat earlier this year, probably. Okay, yeah. so it's basically I haven't seen, but I did, but kind of. Sure. All right. And was there any reason for that? Is it just one that just kind of passed you by? Never really gave. Oh, much let's just say werewolves in general don't really interest me too much. When it comes to horror icons or monsters or, you know, themes. It's well, like just for me. Just like if you <laughs> like cats. It's speciesist. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Faye, what about you? You had not seen this one before, except for maybe like a scene or two, because it's impossible. We'll get to it, but uh, you hadn't seen this before, right? Correct. I haven't seen it all the way through. I've had seen bits and pieces, mainly the transformation scene because mm. that it's it's so iconic. 
Yeah, even like a passing knowledge of horror movies, you've seen or heard of this transformation scene in terms of like just horror movies, werewolves in general. Uh, I, I think it's almost impossible to have not seen at least a clip of the, even if not the whole two minute transformation at once, see parts of it when it's referenced in like any horror film documentary, um, mm-hmm. which is all of them. But um all right, so uh, what I want to know first is, uh, what did you think of it, Bay? I enjoyed it. For its time, and you know, even now, it still holds up pretty decently. Um, it, I mean, for me, it did. Uh, I enjoyed it. I would definitely watch it again if someone said, hey, let's go watch it. Um, so it awesome. was fun. I, 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 I like the added twist of the 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 person with the werewolf curse also has the curse of having to see the ones that he's killed as a werewolf. Yeah. That, I want to get into that something. That was a nice, I enjoyed that. That was a mm-hmm. nice stabbing to it. Yeah. Uh, Monica, what do you think of it? Watching it again? Uh, I forgot how batshit crazy it is in certain parts. <laughs> and I was, I don't know. I was delighted. It was actually like, cause I remember watching it the first time and being a little, bored for some reason but i guess maybe i just didn't give it a fair shake at whatever age i was at that point sure and uh but yeah no it's great it's good it's good some, that one particular dream sequence i'm sure we'll talk about it but wow <laughs> i love that that is Ooh. my favorite scene of almost anything i think now it's yeah. fantastic all right dread so you're not a werewolf fan you don't like your werewolves what do you think of the movie though um, considering I watched this one now for the second time in a very short period, uh, I say I still enjoyed it. That's still a good movie. And, uh, we'll go into that later, I guess, but all the, everything holds up, I feel, except perhaps that scene that you were discussing that everyone knows. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Uh, funnily enough, the scene I remember from not seeing this movie is the one where he's in the hospital and he's first kind of dreaming about his werewolfness and you see his face with the yellow eyes and the teeth. Yeah. Because I always figured that shot was from a vampire movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like watching this Same. movie, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, it's a little it's a little uh, out there. So it it's a very simple story, right? David and Jack are two um, American kids. They're taking, I don't know, like three months and backpacking across Europe, essentially. Um, and they end up in a small town in northern England, a little village called East Proctor, which was shot in uh, Wales, actually. Yeah. And uh, they get told, uh, they go into a pub. And I, I love that scene because they walk in there and it's it's that classic. Everybody just stops and looks at them. And it's like, oh, I would just turn around and walk right out. I'd be like, well, <laughs> I'm done here. I clearly am not wanted. But they, they stick around long enough to <laughs> they ask for. I love how everything they ask for, she doesn't have. Like, do you have coffee? No. Do you have hot chocolate? No. Do you have anything hot? Well, I could. you could have tea. Do you have tea? No. But I can make <laughs> Yeah. And uh, like that whole thing's going on and they slowly, the, the one dude, finally the chess player decides to start telling the story and like everything's going fine until they ask about the pentagram on the wall or the pentangle. Did Which you was very notice rude. This was the, I'm sorry, one second before you get into that. The, 
this is the first time that I actually like looked stuff stuff up because you know for the show or whatever, mm-hmm. and I never noticed that that other chess player is Rick Mayall. Yeah, the younger. I one. was like, I love him. We were just talking about him in Young Ones, and oh my god. So yeah. the the trivia that I read was that um, Landis had seen Rick Mayall, Mayall and another guy on stage and invited them to come be in the movie. He's like, I got parts for you guys. You can come just show up. Mayall did. The other guy didn't because he didn't believe Landis. And that's how Rick Mayall ended up on the movie was he, Landis had seen him and was just like, yeah, come be in my movie. So, yeah, I, I thought that was awesome because he's so young in this, too. Yeah, because this been. Oh, this was like a year or two before the young ones, I think, started, right? That was, I want to say that's like 82, 83 era. Yeah, I have the box that I can grab it and look at <laughs> Um, But yeah, so they they uh, they basically make asses of themselves in the pub and everyone, they kick them out. They tell them to leave, uh, but stay on the roads. And so what do they do? Immediately, the first chance they have, they leave the road and go walking through the moor. And they get attacked by something and Jack is killed brutally. And that was one of the things I'd forgotten was how gory this movie is. Like it's rated R and it's, it, it earns its R rating. Um, but I had forgotten how like gory the attacks were, how much blood they were really showing in a lot of them. Um, because I hadn't seen it in so long. Uh, but yeah, he wakes up what three weeks later in the hospital. Yep. So we just get that immediately. <laughs> Well, Just yeah, in time it, for the new full moon. Yep. <laughs> um, so, so David is now a werewolf, but then we get like, he starts hallucinating and dreaming and that's where the movie starts to get really crazy. Um, Fine. The, the scene you were mentioning dread with um, where he's, he's running. There's the dream where he's running through the forest and he attacks a deer or, you know, yeah, it was a deer. Yeah. Um, and then later on, there's another dream. He's back in that same forest. And then he sees himself in the hospital bed in the forest with the nurse looking over him. And then it flashes to his face. That's a freaky image. Um, which just that because the way they cut to it so quickly and just those yellow eyes and the huge teeth, which is basically what Landis ended up using for thriller uh, yeah. a few years later, because this movie is what got him. Uh, Michael Jackson saw this, loved it and wanted to make a werewolf themed music video. And that's where thriller came from. And then he brings John, Jonathan Landis in to, to, to direct it. So you can see a lot of that, the, this movie's influence on that music video. Um, but yeah, I, I just loved like the, the crazy, I mean, he has the dream sequences and then Jack just shows up to him in the hospital and, that's some of the best prosthetics I've seen in a long time. And they don't hide them. They're just like, no, you're going to be in a hospital where it's harsh, fluorescent light, bright and the whole room's lit up. And they're just like, we're going to focus on it. I even love those, the little flappy skin piece. Yeah. It's like off of his chin (laughs) that that from what I read, wasn't really supposed to do that. They noticed it afterwards and they're like, actually it works better. Let's just leave it in. (laughs) We're not going to reshoot it. Um, and I loved how hit, how Jack deteriorated throughout the movie. Yeah, he just definitely. kept getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. But to your point, Faye, you brought up, and I loved the that angle because werewolf stories have been around for a long time. There haven't, at this point, there hadn't been as many werewolf movies as other monster type movies. We had the Wolfman in forty one, 
um, and a couple of remakes of that or variations on it. But we had a lot more either mummy, zombie, or vampire movies prior to like the late 70s, early 80s. And then there was suddenly an explosion of werewolf movies. This came out the same year as The Howling. Um, and there was, then they ended up with like, how many Howling sequels were there? Does anyone remember? Seven. Six at least. Six or seven, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say seven. I, I was joking with 17. but Half of those were in the 80s, I think. Um, but most, uh, this sort of... Most of these horror movies are in the 80s. I don't know how that decade can hold so much. That's a good point. There's a lot. Well, there's a lot of horror movies in every decade, but for some reason we have this connection with 80s horror movies. Um, being Maybe a, it, was a, it was a time. I know I enjoyed them. Yeah, but there was something like this helped to really, and I think some of it was that makeup effects were, you know, the Rick Bakers and, and other special effects guys were getting to the point of being able to do some of these more outlandish types of transformations into creatures instead of it just being Lon Chaney Jr. with a little extra fur on his face and <laughs> a wolf man. Like you could go a little crazier. Um, I forgot. And I don't know, Dred, you probably remember cause you just saw it not that long ago, but were, did you realize uh, that the, the transformation scene is two thirds of the way through the movie? Like it's an hour into this hour and a half long movie before he finally becomes a werewolf. Uh, yeah, I did remember it being late in the movie. And I, which is I, a good thing because it leads up to it. You know, mm -hmm. if you do that in the beginning yeah. of the movie, then you're like, well, okay, we've had it. <laughs> cool. Hey, well, it's then no it becomes. <laughs> oh, oh boy. <laughs> if you do that, then it becomes less a. Like the movie is really. It's weird because there's like there is a plot to it, but at the same time, there's no lore behind it. There's no like they just sort of they get attacked by a werewolf in northern England and he dies at the end of the movie. And that's it. We but know nothing of the movie. But most of the movie is about him dealing with the fact that he's going to become a werewolf and seeing his dead friend, telling him to kill himself all the time. Uh, him dealing with a new relationship with hot nurse. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and the actual quick being a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a quick relationship. I actually did read where Jonathan Landis said that part of that relationship was born out of he started writing this, came up with this concept and started writing this idea when he was in his late teens. And so the whole like attractive nurse thing was something of, you know, a teenage fantasy of his that he kind of worked into it. Um, so I can see that it is a, it's a quick relationship, but I also sort of understand it in a way, especially in a movie. Um, the, uh, the character seeing the, the idea that the werewolf curse makes you see everyone that you've killed is interesting because mm -hmm. that's something that I can't think of. I can't think of that in any other uh, werewolf story. Like there's been curses and things, but the being visited by the people that you've killed is interesting to me um, because that would be rough, especially the, the one. The one weird thing is his friend because he didn't kill his friend. The werewolf who made him a werewolf killed him. And it's about the ending the bloodline of the werewolf kind of thing, which seems a bit too much. It should be the one that, killed you basically or bit you 
Well, but that that werewolf then died, and that curse was passed on to David. Yeah. I think is, yeah. And so his him seeing his friend, and if you notice, like his friend uh, Jack is always actually kind of cheerful as a corpse <laughs> through throughout the rest of the movie. Like he's very upbeat for somebody who was torn to shreds. Yeah. The way oh, that it's he terrible. Ah, uh-huh. terrible. Kill yourself. Uh-huh. Yay. The hard part's mm. over. You know, like he's he's That's... he's done. He doesn't have to but feel you know, any more pain. True, but he also mentions being lonely and like it's not a good deal for him, but he's kind of doing it through a smile too at the same time. He gets John friends. <laughs> the more he friends. kills, the more friends he has, less lonely. Hey. I'd like you and to meet so and so and so and so and so and so. The couple he killed, they were cheery. They were happy. Yeah. They were hey, they were polite as hell. So was the guy though, really, when you think about it. For as much as stern as the guy was that he kills in the um uh, subway station. He was very polite, <laughs> which overly polite. may not have captured a bit of that. Um, that's a that's that shot. That whole chasing in the subway. That is the stuff of nightmares, and that is just like a great shot because it's just. Is that not solitude? Just an amazing chase. It's a solitude. Yeah, I shot. was paying attention to all the movie posters on the walls. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. There's all the movie posters that that are on the wall, but it's it's a real tube station. Yep. There's no one I've else there. there. <laughs> There's no music playing throughout the whole chase. There's just this guy running by himself. You don't see the werewolf the entire time. You hear it, and that's it. And I love the the staging of that because he was really the movie had a little Jaws going on, right? Where you don't show your monster, mm-hmm. in part because the monster quite honestly didn't look great at the end like it looked cute (laughs) it did kind of look cute didn't it and you're like i feel sorry for you um but that whole that chase in the the tube station was just so good paced wise and and just all of it i i I love that that's one of my favorite chases now i think in a horror movie and the guy running away from it isn't doing a lot of really stupid stuff so much as just he's not he is not dressed to run away from a werewolf. And so when he's slipping all <laughs> over. Any the of them? <laughs> no, but, but usually it's like, why are you falling down? Uh, like randomly, this guy's wearing shoes on tile that yeah. he has no grip whatsoever. So I got, like, it made sense that he fell down. Um, I thought it was funny that he fell onto the escalator and then just sort of rode it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like, I give up. I'm not getting up anymore. Like, at this point I'm done. Um, yeah, that one was really good. I love the uh, the way the first attack in the moor goes on is the same type of an idea, right? Where they're they're running away from it, and it's these long shots, these long cuts rather of uh, them looking around and the camera circling them, and all you do is hear that horrific noise. Like I'm not sure exactly what all they combine to make that sound because it's more than just a wolf howl. Um, there's some other animals and things mixed into that, but that thing was eerie and they used it a lot. Um, do any of you have a favorite uh, moment or kill? Cause he does have the, some of them are, are off screen, unfortunately, but um, Monica, do you have a favorite kind of moment in the movie? Um, hmm. Favorite moment. Jeez. Um, I think, 
it's funny. I don't want to steal. Uh, no, go go to Dread first. <laughs> he, he and I might share the same moment. Then you, you share the same it? moment. <laughs> Is it go the ahead, moment Dredd. I have a sample from? Yes. Okay. That's now my favorite moment from this okay. movie. If I tell you I sampled a little conversation that's like five lines long and is somewhere post-transformation, what would you guess? If you know me. I mean, is my first post- guess would be with the kid in the balloons. <laughs> that was funny too. Yes. Close. Because that whole, that okay. whole, all the stuff in the zoo cracked me up oh yeah that was i was uh, i i just want to say uh good on him for being in a naked in a cage with two dogs that aren't really yeah. wolves i guess and are like tamed but still being naked with those animals there <laughs> so were this an episode of gore and we were doing the 13 we would have had our uh pointless boobies weird wangs and moonies oh, yeah. we hit the trifecta in this movie Oh, yeah. Uh, so David's got his knot out, bre- flapping in the breeze through <laughs> quite a bit of the, the movie. His naughty knotting. Um, uh, speaking of boobies, I'll, I'll sh- play the clip, okay? And right. uh, tell me this is not the most fun thing in the entire movie. What are you doing here? You promised never to do this kind of thing again. I never promised you any such thing. Not you, you Twitter. I've never seen you before in my life. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's now my favorite now that I've seen it. Well, I, I, can't I was not. cracking up with the dude answering. I didn't promise this thing. And then they just went on and he's like, oh, sorry. And he just oh, walks sorry. away. <laughs> I'm like, I want to see that movie. I want to see that movie. So, so that, for, for anyone who hasn't seen it or doesn't remember, that clip is from when David goes to a porno theater in Piccadilly Circus. <laughs> And he's, he's sitting in the back of it talking to the corpse of Jack. And that's the movie playing on screen, which is called See You Next Wednesday, which is a running Jonathan Landis gag, that title. He's been using it since it was, it was a line in 2001, A Space Odyssey. And for some reason, he liked that. And so he, he always has it as like a fake movie title in every movie that he makes. Um, there's it's like funny. movie posters for it and all that. And they actually made it for this. So that was... Apparently, the first thing they shot for American Werewolf in London is the fake porno movie that plays in Piccadilly Circus, which was only done because when he was first writing the script, like 10 or 15 years earlier or whatever, all those theaters in Piccadilly Circus showed old cartoons. And so the scene was originally written with David going in and there was like a Roadrunner cartoon or something playing. And when Jonathan Landis went back to London, he found out that none of those theaters showed cartoons anymore and they were all porn. So he's like, all right, well, I guess I got to rewrite this now. They're going to be sitting in a porn theater. And that that moment is hilarious. Yes. It's such a good exchange. I didn't I've promise. I've never sex. watched, never even <laughs> looked, paid attention. And it was, it's dread being like, what? What did they just say? I'm rewinding that. And I'm like, okay, now that's my favorite part. Um, not um, that I don't enjoy, like, can can I just put together, like, everything that happens at the end after the last transformation and the entire, <laughs> like, people crashing and 
falling in, like getting run over by car i'm just like wow this is the worst accident <laughs> i've ever seen that escalated People quickly crashed and like were flung through their windshields i'm like you don't hit a car that softly and just that wasn't yeah. enough I, i'm not a scientist i'm just saying that wasn't enough force one of them by the way i think the one that goes through the store window is actually jonathan landis oh really the director gets gets tossed through a window there um so yeah that that whole scene it's, it's is ridiculously over the top but i love it that, that makes very, this movie very, like the most people uh, get killed by those kind of things instead of an actual werewolf yeah yes it's a very john landis moment too like it feels like something that you would almost see in like animal house or any of his other movies it's just that kind of a moment to it Faye, did you have a favorite moment in the movie anything that stood I, out i love I loved all this, all the scenes with his friend after he died. All, all the, so the, yeah, <laughs> just kill yourself, man. Just, just do it. Because <laughs> he just he delivers that line so nonchalantly, and like he shows up when because when he gets up in the middle of the night and goes to the bathroom, and he walks into the bathroom, and you know, like okay, that mirror is going to move, and you're going to see somebody there, and sure enough, it does, and there's his friend, but he looks different now. And so like, you're not, if you haven't seen it before, you don't remember, you're just thinking the next time, if he sees Jack again, he's going to look the same, but no, he's deteriorating more. Now he's all green. And like, they go and sit down and he's picking up Mickey mouse and playing with him and just being like a goofball. And I loved that. I loved all the stuff with Jack because of that. You know, I, I said earlier in the episode that one of my favorite scenes from a movie ever was the the dream sequence and then completely forgot that when you asked me <laughs> like that's another like that's my there, so those one and two is the the fake porn and the uh and the dream sequence because that is just one more batshit crazy thing the dream sequence with the nazi werewolves yeah that's like another the, movie the i want to see <laughs> and was it uh it landis didn't do it but um oh i know what it was so a young edgar wright saw this movie and it was playing on tv and that scene came up and then like according to him his mom came in saw it and said that's it for tonight and turned it off but he ended at that scene and he said it he he had trouble sleeping that night but years later he would do a fake movie trailer for uh nazi what was it? it was werewolf women of the ss for um, Grindhouse. Uh, was that his? No, his was Don't. The fake trailer for Don't. That was one of the funniest trailers ever, by the way. I'm in the theater watching that, and it's just like, Don't, Don't, Don't. That's right. Don't. Were- Werewolf Women of the SS was Rob Zombie's fake trailer during Grindhouse. Oh. Um, but yeah, that, that dream sequence is bonkers because it's just the family sitting around, and you hear the knocking at the door, and I'm watching it, and again, I'm not remembering that this is about to happen. And so it's not until he opens the door that I have the realization, oh, okay, that's why they're knocking the way that they are. Like, because you always hear the you, like jokes will have that that knock in it for the Nazis coming to your door. Oh. And so so then they he opens the door and it's just a bunch of werewolves in Nazi uniforms. And they just start just I mean, going to town on everybody, and it's hilarious. It's so ridiculous. And yeah. I couldn't help but laugh at it. And and yet also they're freaky looking uh, werewolf costumes. Yeah. 
they do they kill the the parents and the and the kids and and his brother and sister i mean in just terrible ways and then he wakes up from the dream and the nurse is there mm. and she gets up and it's like one of the greatest like fake outs like a dream within mm. a dream which is like my nightmare basically uh inception yeah it was, i love that complete surprise uh yeah i had one of my notes to myself while watching it this time was i hate the waking from a dream inside of a dream i hate that so much because i've had that happen to me before i've been in a dream and woke up from the dream inside a still of a dream mm-hmm. and that's not fun and yeah. it was so well done in this because when he when he does wake up it's it's definitely the same hospital room but it does feel a little weird it does does seem just slightly off but you don't really, it doesn't register. And so it's a great fake out when she opens up the, the um, curtains and just gets, na- you know, stabbed by the, the Nazi werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> Plus just saying the words Nazi werewolf just sounds completely. Yeah, I don't know. Like one of them looked like a boar too. Like there were, <laughs> I feel like there was a couple different things. Yeah. We're a boar. It's very weird. And it's funny because when I watched it this time, it's, it's it's almost like I'm remembering stuff from my childhood where I know I've seen this before mm-hmm. and I've had either nightmares of it or like thought about it, but not remembered that it was from this movie. So it's definitely, which is weird because I really don't think I saw it before. Like I said, I saw it, hmm. but you never know. It might've been on TV or something. It did. I, I it did play on TV quite a bit uh, in the you know a, a while ago. So they would edit a few things out, obviously, but it did play. So it's possible that you caught like bits and pieces of it on TV, and it just burrowed itself in your subconscious, and then decided to scare you in your dream. <laughs> um, one of my favorite single shots in the movie was all the stuff at the zoo cracked me up because, like you said. The, the whole idea of him being naked in the cage with the wolves is pretty creepy uh, to begin with. Like, good on him for that. Cause, yeah, because that one wolf was uh, sniffing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what they said for the behind the scenes was they had just fed the wolves. But still, <laughs> like, sure. Still, I don't think I'm getting in there uh, naked mm-hmm. with them. Nope. And then I love David Naughton saying that at one point he's like, Hey, uh, when did you bring in all the extras? And they're like, those aren't extras. The zoo opened up. <laughs> like, oh, so there are shots of, there are moments in the movie filming the movie where he was just naked in the zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the shot that, that cracks me up is it's just the shot of that couple sitting on the bench. And then he just <laughs> sprints by holding the balloons and just grabs the jacket. Mm-hmm. Just a naked, naked guy, and he's in a dead sprint. And I don't, it was just the timing of it was so perfect. And it killed me. That was right after the, the, he took the balloons from the kid, where he's, he's hiding behind that bush. And he's like, hey, come over here. Come here. And the kid's mm-hmm. like, walks over and he's just, he's offering him money for his balloons, but then says he's a thief. And he goes, here, I'll show you. And just grabs his balloons and runs. Um, mm-hmm. I, just yeah where was he gonna have money <laughs> the old lady's face was also great <laughs> oh, sorry and the lady's like okay and i'm gonna continue walking <laughs> <laughs> oh i oh, i England. just adored all of that that was so so funny 
Um, and then to find out that there were, you know, actual zoo patrons in there for part of it makes it even funnier to me. Um, so the transformation dread, you alluded to the fact that you don't think that held up quite so well. Uh, explain yourself. Might just be for me in person, like personally, uh, it holds up well is the face stretching. I really mm-hmm. liked that. That looked great. The hand and feet stretching, while impressive on how they did it, looked a bit eh, silly to me, maybe. Might just be me. I don't like long hands and feet, I guess. Mm. <laughs> and then all the, the hair. All the <laughs> Which they did in reverse, apparently. They would, have, they would start with longer hair and then shorten it over the course of filming it. And play those scenes backwards. Mm. Um, Makes sense. And there's the shot of the hair growing. I know they did that with. Where they pulled the hair weird. through. And then they played it in reverse. So it does look really weird. That you could guess that was reverse. Because the, the way it intertwines a bit. like, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I prefer the, the second transformation. Because that way then you see the, the nails coming out of the fingers. Uh-huh. That was... That did it more for me. Faye, what did you think of the transformation scene in its full glory? Oh, I loved it. It, I thought it was really well done, especially for the effects that that they had at the time. Yeah, so... It's revolutionary. So that was Rick Baker who did uh, the creature effects for this. He was originally going to be working on The Howling, um and left the howling to come back and work on this because Landis uh, was upset that he bailed on him. Cause apparently it took Landis like 10 years to finally make this movie. So he had been working on it for a while in like the script phase and finally got money for it. And as the story goes, he called up Rick Baker and Rick's like, I'm working on a different movie now. And he yelled at him on the phone. So he left the howling and let Rob Botton do that and um, came over and he won the first Academy Award for special makeup effects for this movie, mm-hmm. um, and deservedly so. Uh, yeah. Monica, what do you think? What do you think of the transformation? That especially that first one. That is, um, it's kind of horrifying, and um, like I know it looks weird, and it's definitely different than most of the things that you've ever seen. But that's the thing that's really jarring to me. It is mm-hmm. so weird and just like the way it seems like the bones are moving and the nose is like getting bigger and like it's just like it it it's almost it almost it no it is it's body horror and that you know that freaks me out um mm-hmm. so I really actually enjoyed it because it's not too too disgusting it's not like it's uh what's his beak that does the uh it's not Cronenberg. Yeah, it's not Cronenberg body horror, but it's definitely like your body's changing and like there's, you know, like I, I know nowadays, you know, CGI is getting better and whatnot, and they would do that with CGI, and it, maybe it would look great, but I wouldn't respect that as much as I do, you know, what they did back in '81 with with all this. So it's still impressive. You always got to put the lens of when it was made, of course, because I'm not going to watch like the 1940s Wolfman, which I still have to watch, by the way, and go like, oh, well, they didn't, you know, they didn't make the hair grow properly. It was only, you know, on his cheeks or something. But like, you know, 
uh, it was amazing. I still think it's amazing. And nobody's doing that anymore. So, well, not, not nobody. Not as much. Um, one of the things I think was interesting is Jonathan Landis wanted the transformation to happen in bright light. That was one of the things with this movie. There's a lot of scenes that happen in brightly lit rooms or during the day that you wouldn't think of doing those in a horror movie, right? Like there's stuff at night for sure, for sure. And a lot of the attacks happen uh, at night to help kind of cover up the frankly weird looking actual werewolf, which was like a, almost like a wheelbarrow type situation, like somebody kind of on their hands and then on like a surfboard on wheels behind them to move around as the werewolf. Cause it was quadruped instead of bipedal, but to have the whole transformation take place and it's not in shadows. It's not like super harsh lighting. It's just bright and you can see everything happening. And Landis wanted that transformation to go in such a way that you really felt that it was painful. And that's the thing I noticed watching it this time. It's two minutes long and it just, you can, you can feel all the pain that David is going through transforming and how difficult it is for him, especially like the stretching and the bones changing. Cause that was another thing I read. Rick Baker said that, part of what he did was he based um, a lot of the transformation on looking at a canine skeleton and a human skeleton and kind of coming to the realization, like they're both uh, vertebrate mammals. um, And like the bones are roughly the same. They're just configured differently and maybe proportioned a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was going through that transformation and then doing everything with, you know, these pistons and plungers and putting urethane, uh, over top of that to, to stretch like that without breaking. Oh, well, it's like his hands stretching or his legs and feet stretching. It's rough to watch. Right, ah, I'm like, burning up. Ah, he's yeah, like, I must take off my pants. I'm like, go ahead. Hey, After look, that hey. transformation, I'm fine with. <laughs> also, this get it. We're not on gore, but this gets the, uh, the full, the full Moonies award. Get it? Cause it's, <laughs> full moon oh yeah and nice it's just naked butt <laughs> lots yeah, of naked butt. He, he was naked a lot full moonies which prior so prior to this movie david naughton was known as the dr pepper guy uh if you remember you none of us are really old enough to remember the ad campaign but you may have heard of the i'm a pepper you're a pepper wouldn't you like mm-hmm. to be a pepper too that was david naughton he he sang that song in the commercials and that's what he was known for uh, and then he did this movie where he's, you know, tearing people's throats out and running around with his doodle hanging out. So <laughs> what a career change. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he did any more Dr. Pepper commercials after that. If I, nope. uh, if memory serves, I think they were probably pretty done with him by then. Um, Prudish Dr. Pepper. Uh, he moved on to monster energy. Who well played. Um, I do wow. wonder if, so I don't remember the transformation in an American werewolf in Paris. Um, but I know they were probably trying to use some more CG at that point. It's been, I haven't seen that since I saw it in the theater. So can you imagine like, look, I haven't rewatched it. I'm going to now that I've, I've rewatched this, but like, can you imagine how bad it looks? 1997. Like I'm really worried. Cause I know they probably were trying to do the CGI. It would have been definitely them trying to do that at this point. By the way, uh, interesting piece of trivia that I read was this movie was almost an American werewolf in Paris because 
when he was making it and he was getting all the work visas for, um, they had basically it was him. Uh, it was John Landis, Rick Baker, David Naughton, and, um, uh, guy who played Griffin Dunn, Griffin Dunn. And they didn't want to give one for Griffin Dunn. Um, and they were saying like, we've got plenty of Americans here that can do that. And Landis was like, or I could just rewrite it to an American werewolf in Paris and uh, go shoot there. And they're like, okay, fine. You can have the work permit to get Griffin done. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, so and, Griffin them, Dunn. and he's really good yeah. in this. I don't know him from anything else, but he was really good in this. Um, so I just thought that was, that was kind of neat. Um, I got off on a tangent though. Oh, transformation. So if they were to do this now, what I would want to see is the use. There's going to be CG used no matter what at this point in filmmaking. But if you get the right prosthetic people and the right uh, special effects people to work with visual effects, I think you can get a good hybrid of the two. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's there's something to the tangible um, practical effects of this and the howling that you don't get with just a full, like I remember a, a transition that I thought was unique at the time was, even though I don't love the movie Van Helsing, the werewolf transformation in that was kind of cool. How like the werewolves just sort of pulled apart their human form and kind of grew out from that. Almost like they were shedding a, a suit. And I thought that was kind of neat, but it's all CG. So it's just, it feels very cartoony. Um, and that's part of like this because of not just the amount of time that it takes, but the, the, the fact that it's actual like physical props moving around and you're seeing David Naughton's face and then it's slowly changing. Um, it's that pain factor of it that I think just adds so much to this particular transition. Um, the fact that they had and like the face elongating and growing more canine and all of that. Uh, that's really also cool. a thing you won't get to these days anymore. What was it you said? Two minutes long? Oh, yeah. yeah. They yeah, remake it now. You're not getting two minutes of that. Kidding me? That's no, you know no, 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 no. You know how many seasons of True Blood I watched and the transformations for all the animal type people were just them basically shrinking into the animal? Like, it was <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Just it a was morph. nothing cool. <laughs> like, what? All right. No, no dry humping a bed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of humping in that show. That's true. I'll tell you um, that. So that was one thing I wanted to mention this earlier. Monica, you said how like you thought the first time you saw it back when that it was kind of boring to you at that time, or that's your memory of it. And I kind of can understand that because it is a very slow burn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was probably just the parts with like, well, none of the cool stuff going on and <laughs> me being young. And do you yes. remember how time used to be when you were younger? Oh, yeah. And how yeah. now it's like, oh, it's just, October. Remember like, what you said it was when we just were January. watching this, Monica? What? Remember what you were saying when we were watching this movie earlier? What did I say? Oh, this movie uh, moves along fast. Now I say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, Back what? in the in the in the old days. No. Now I'm watching it. It was over in like like that. Like it was really quick paced. Everything That's- just yeah, it's 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 interesting because it is paced well, but it is a slow burn. Like not a lot happens 
for big stretches of this. It's a lot of him just sort of dealing with it or like talking to the nurse and talking to the doctor. So I can understand that feeling of it being a little slow and boring, but it's actually paced really well. And I think yeah. that that, that, again is that kind of John Landis um, is actually a, a pretty good director, even though he was known mostly for Animal House prior to this movie, um, which when your marketing is like from the director of Animal House and people go in <laughs> to watch this and they get yeah. what American Werewolf well, in London is, it doesn't surprise me that people walked out of it. Well, there's an animal, there's a house. I mean, that's true. There's an animal in a house. Um, but that was like one of the things that I liked about this movie was the mixture of horror and comedy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very much a horror film. Um, but there's that Jonathan Landis comedy. He's, you know, the blues brothers and, um, sadly blue. No, he just produced blues brothers 2000. So that's okay. It's absurdly <laughs> funny in a very dark and twisty way. Like yes. it's funny, but like in a way that I know a lot of people wouldn't appreciate because it's not like it's not like a happy, jolly funny. It's like a oh, that's some sick shit right there. But <laughs> it's very dark. Um, <laughs> but I love it. That's right up my alley. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and honestly, if you look at some of his other um I mean Animal House, Blues Brothers, Trading Places, um uh Spies Like places. Us. Um, coming to America, like those are all Landis comedies, and he's got a lot of dark humor into it. So he got to kind of lean into that a lot with this movie, and it works. And it helps to balance out what was a lot gorier of a, a horror movie than I remembered it being, for sure. Um, especially like the scene where he's in the theater and he's talking to Jack, and then you meet all the people that he killed the night before, and like. Yeah. I mean, they're just covered in blood and like it was when the guy goes out to find his friends, the the guy, Sean, he comes out with his glass of brandy or whatever. And he steps on the arm. Like I'd completely forgotten about that and squish. And then he looks down. There's just a hand, a hand there. Um, I was like, yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I just he I had a, held I had, on to that glass too. Yeah, he did. Um, but I think that the that humor balances it out. And just makes this a it makes it I feel like a movie that is more rewatchable because of that that humor and the like the character of Jack and the way he they play him yeah. makes him more memorable than if he was just giving him the warnings um, and telling him like you got to break the curse like to, to have him be so jovial and jaunty uh, works. Go ahead, you you're gonna say something. And the makeup in that last scene, like the last him, like where he's basically just like, you see like all of his teeth and the bones. Oh, After that's he's, awesome. That's the best. Yeah. That's the best one of it. it. It's It's just amazing. Like for, we'll keep saying for 1981, but that's almost like saying you look great for your age, but like we mean it in a, in a, no in idea. a <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, no, you just look great. But Quite like obviously. all the stuff with Jack looks good, regardless oh of it. God. Exactly. Like good. That last one, Joe, like, I love it. Like, I wish there was like, I could wear that as a mask for my face. Just. Yeah. That, that puppet was so good in that scene. Uh, it looks so just, ah, I love that. And I, just the deterioration of his skin. It goes from like 
freshly slashed up and then it's green and it's getting nasty and then it's like graying and mm-hmm. half gone. Oh, so good. Rick Baker is just phenomenal. So um, I liked the use of music and the use of no music in this movie. We kind of, we talk about that sometimes on gore, um, but there's scenes in this that have no music in them that it's more effective that way. And then they also had a lot of uh, licensed music. Uh, there's like two or three versions of Blue Moon that play. <laughs> every every song has moon in the title. I read that. Every song mm-hmm. has moon in the title. Uh, like, they no. tried to get Cat Stevens, um, one of his, his song, Moon. I can't remember the name of it now. Moon something. And this was after he had um, converted to Islam. And he told them no. Because he didn't want his movie. He didn't want his music associated with uh like uh, a movie like that yeah i'll never look at moon dance again the same way though <laughs> but, moon rising. but yeah. the music is super effective the way that the movie ends and the last song mm-hmm. it i don't know if it made anyone else kind of laugh but it made me laugh like because i'm like oh my god <sighs> Just like it just it broke it like you were so like emotional in the moment and then it's so abrupt. It's just I love it. It's what, yeah. it's what makes the movie iconic. I mean, really, it is. Um, this is just a, a fun, crazy, goofy, uh, just nuts movie. But it's it's rewatchable, I think, because of those elements, like just having a random uh, dream sequence where he's running naked through the woods and then he just attacks a deer and like you see him lean off screen and then come back with just a big chunk of red meat. And he just takes a bite out of it and then wakes up like just the, the weird discordance of that or, you know, way uh, having a dream with uh, Nazi werewolves that attack his entire family in his house. Um, and then for him to call the house and like, he has that conversation with his little sister in the phone booth. Yeah. That's you mean a, the worst nice phone film. conversation ever? Oh. His acting in that was a little rough. Yeah, but. it was. <laughs> I mean, they shot the movie over four weeks, and like the majority of it was was the transformation that I think took a week of their four week shooting schedule. So like yeah, they didn't I'm have not a lot blaming of him. It's just it's a hard thing to do, the one sided phone call conversation thing. It's a hard That's- talent. Um, some other items that would come off of our checklist of the 13, uh, would be the cat. There's a cat. That cat was so scared, but so cute. So they got that effect from that cat by holding another cat up towards it. And it would hiss at the other cat. (laughs) See, and that is responsible. They didn't throw the cat or like pinch it or nothing. So I respect that. Um, oh, there was was a Volkswagen, by the way. Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. there were so cars um that whole end sequence like there had to was that where the volkswagen is that where you saw it was no it they were like there's there someone crossing the street at one point there was like a, a euro van yeah oh and he's going into the porn theater oh that's what it is okay mm. i couldn't remember when but yeah i i also like how this movie it it doesn't concern itself with like telling a a big uh, werewolf lore story or anything they run into a werewolf uh in a town that knows about it 
everyone in that village knew about the werewolf and the curse and all of that. And then at the end of the movie, he gets shot and we just cut to credits. There's no resolution, nothing. That's all we get is what happened to David. It's his story. But I kind of like that because it adds an air of like almost spooky mystery to it because we just don't know. Like we don't know how far back this goes. You know, have there been werewolves in that particular area for a long time? And that's why they know about it. Or did something just happen recently? And who was, who was that prior werewolf? Because that could be confusing if you're not, if you don't really know what's going on, he got attacked by this, what looks like a bear with a, with a dog face on it. And then that gets shot. And when he's lying there, he looks over and there's just a naked guy with bullet holes in him. Mm -hmm. There's an an old naked man. Like how long had he been a werewolf? We don't know. We don't know any of that. And I kind of like that the movie did that. It gave us, it gave the, the mystery of all of that while also kind of giving us part of it in that there's the curse and as a werewolf, you see the people that get killed by werewolves. So. And we also never find out why there was a pentagram. Excuse me, not a pentagram. What was it, Monica? A pentangle. A pentangle on that wall. Which is a weird word. <laughs> pentangle is a strange word. I will give you that. I, I think of them as pentagrams. Um, <laughs> and no, we don't know why that was on the wall. I'm guessing it was something like protection against the werewolves, which is why they never left. Oh, yeah. that place well, at least ever. cover it up. They live there. Like, put something in front. Maybe that would block the curse. I don't know. Leave me alone. Did <laughs> I make the rules? Hard to say. Yeah. My question um, is, why didn't they just kill him when they killed the werewolf? They saw that he was attacked and mutilated, and they they know it transfers with the attack. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Did they know it transfers? We don't know. I don't know that's why, why they didn't just I don't know. You're right, though. Yeah. I mean, that that's is a true, very but good question. But that, that's, again, where I, where I get where, like, we don't know how long the old man was a werewolf for them to all know about it. So did they know that it transfers if he doesn't die, or do they just know that he kills, that the werewolf kills people? So I'm with you. I don't understand why they didn't just shoot him and, and call it a day. Like... <laughs> And just dump them in the moor, and no one would have ever known. But then we wouldn't have had a movie. So, <laughs> I guess that's why we couldn't have that now, could we? No. <laughs> I guess they no. did, they did kind of make them seem like like some of the people in the bar were good people. They were trying to do the right thing. They just they were protecting their yeah. own, basically. I don't know, but yeah. But yeah, there's no but, real story. I'd like to know the story though, because I'm I'm very interested. But I get it. I, like, I want to know the story about the policemen investigating this, because <laughs> we forgot those. But oh, they were forgetting for most of the movie as well. But <laughs> the two scenes they're in. No, but the inspector gets the Dick Halloran Award for showing up at the end and getting his head bit clean off. True. Because he just arrives like, what's going on here? Chomp. Well, all right. No more inspector. I guess the sergeant's going to get promotion now. Hell yeah. He deserves it. Also, question. Sorry. Question. Uh, How did they shoot David as a werewolf and not hit her down that narrow ass alley? My my question. Exactly. I'm like, wow, they hit him with every shot and she's fine. Okay. They were special forces. They're amazing there. (laughs) 
<laughs> they, were spe- they were wearing black. They weren't special forces. They were just w- policemen in black. Special forces. <laughs> um, so we heard we heard your audio clip, which was brilliant, by the way. And I did not capture that. Thank one. you. Oh, good you. on you for that. Uh, but I did capture some other audio. I got to play it because there's a lot of great stuff in this movie worthy of capture. Um, so here we go with uh, this was the guy in this in the uh, tube station, uh, the the most polite, rude uh, person I've ever heard. I can assure you that this is not in the least bit amusing. Like, I just I love that. I don't know why they just made me laugh so much uh, when they're on the moors. In the beginning of it, uh, I was waiting. Again, it was like watching it for the first time. I was waiting for this line. The Hound of the Baskervilles? Because of course it was the Hound of the Baskervilles. On the moor. The moors. Mm-hmm. Frank Oz. We didn't talk about Frank Oz. He's actually <laughs> technically in the movie twice. Because the, mm-hmm. the clip of the Muppet show uh, has Miss Piggy. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget which, how they said that was a great clip. It's funny because American audiences, that segment of that episode of The Muppet Show was never shown in the U.S. back in the day. It was because there would be when The Muppet Show ran, there would be extra bits that ran in the U.K. because they had shorter commercial breaks than we did here. Mm-hmm. And so that segment of the particular episode of The Muppet Shows with Senior Wences didn't play in the U.S. So people assumed it was just either made specifically for this movie or something like that. But it was an actual clip, and I just watched that episode a couple of months ago, so I remember that sp- per- specific thing where they were like, um, they were talking about Punch and Judy, and so that cracked me up. But Frank Oz is the uh, the guy from the Embassy. He has that one scene. <laughs> he he was so funny because he's so like helpful, and then when he goes to leave, he just looks at the doctor and says, "These dumbass kids, they never appreciate anything you do for them." I was like, wow, his attitude changed quite a bit by the time he left. So I loved that. Uh, let's see. I don't remember what this one is, so I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> no, that's right. That was him practicing in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, if I'm a werewolf, that's a great, that's a great leading up to the transformation, by the way, because he's like... He doesn't really believe it, although he mm-hmm. feels something different. And the whole scene, he's hanging out in the apartment alone. He's like growling at himself. He's just sitting there. It seems so normal. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, I'm so hot. Yeah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and then like it just takes such a turn. Yeah, he went from zero to 100 very quickly in that scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I cut that down. But I just I just loved him like in the mirror. <sighs> After locking himself out of the apartment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Locks himself out and has to climb through the window. Um, the doctor uh, had this one to say when he was talking to the nurse about, and I like that because the doctor was concerned about him for all the reasons that a doctor would be concerned for him. You know, that he could hurt somebody and not that he actually thinks he's a werewolf, but if David believes that he's a werewolf, he could do some damage. And I just liked I don't mean running about on all fours and howling at the moon. Because I don't, I don't mean that. That, that doctor, he had such a, an English voice. I don't know how to explain it, but the way he talked, it was just so English. 
he had he had very wonderful diction, right? Everything yeah. was very crisp. Um, Jack talking to uh, to David. It's you, David. But also, take your life, David. Kill yeah. yourself. Like, dude, back okay. off a little bit. Come on. That's like the first thing he says. Basically, it's like, hey, I'm dead. You're a werewolf. Kill yourself. Okay. Um. Uh, made me. Okay, what's this? You made me miss. <laughs> you missed the dartboard. <laughs> I never miss. <laughs> I never miss. That guy, by the way, has shown up in a lot of stuff too. Uh, that was. Um, hang on, let me find his name. Uh, David Schofield, and I've seen him oh. in a lot of other things. Um. And I just loved the delivery of that line because he just so pissed that he missed the the dartboard in front of oh, everyone. Like- yeah, they all saw it. The entire does town. Like, does he also like peppers? Uh, maybe I don't know. Um, or is that Scoville? Never mind. Anyway, I thought I was Scoville. making a clever joke, but. Uh, the older chess player, the not Rick Mayall chess player, played by Brian Glover, um, when he was telling his story about the plane, I just loved the. I loved this line from it. Over the Atlantic on its way to New York. Just the way he like just New York. Chewed on those words was so good. And yes, yes, I, I laughed at Rick Mayall earlier. He was my first too. thing. The to joke mention. was funny. <laughs> The joke, the joke was terrible, but funny. Um, I got two lines that, uh, that I know Dredd could always uh, back up with his uh, one clip, but it was... It's murder, then. And, uh, you know, followed by... Then murder it is. So. Murderer. Yep, exactly. Murderer. Murderer. Uh, sheep. Oh, yeah, this was David and Jack walking away from the truck right at the beginning. Sheep shit in my pack. I don't know why. Just made me laugh. A lot of that was ad libbed. Like them saying bye to the sheep was ad libbed. That was my. It was great. I I wrote that down because I'm just like, just like I'm gonna miss you. Bye, girls. You're so sweet. Yeah, lovely sheep. Uh, I'm torn between feeling very sorry for you. And finding you terribly attractive. So uh, must be very horny. Where can I meet these women? Seriously, like I know. Um, there was oh, so here at the end, he's in the theater, and just the realization of what's happening, and he's he just says, and "Look at me here. I sit in a porno theater in Piccadilly Circus, talking to a corpse." <laughs> and the moaning in the background. Yep. Let's just say how weird I find going into a theater, sitting with all a bunch of strangers, watching porn. You could ask Paul Rubens about it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that you? used to be, used to be the <laughs> thing. Answer questions about that. that. <laughs> it's a timely reference right there, kids. So <laughs> um. For some reason, I captured this. I think it was just the way he, like, he says, I was murdered, an unnatural death. 
Really? No, I think murder. Oh, was shit. Natural. <laughs> it wasn't a natural death, you weirdo. Um, I do look most unpleasant. Oh, yeah. Same most guy. Unpleasant. Again, he just, he, that guy had a way of saying things that just sounded so polite. I do look English. Most I don't know. I just I I found the light Englishman. Uh, yes, I oh, like, like the policeman. I mean, the police. he's just oh. kept wanting to be arrested, and the dude is like, "Well, you stop now, or I'm gonna arrest you." I'm that's my English accent. Shut up. Like, uh, and, and he kept going. And a cop is like, "Leave me alone!" And then he just the moment he could, he was off. The, the cop was like, "I'm out of here." All right. <laughs> Pretty much. You can't get arrested. I want you to arrest me. Do it. I was waiting for him to actually attack the cop. (laughs) If it was done today. I was waiting for him to, in the end, like after all he said and not get arrested, to say something completely innocent and then get arrested. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and the woman that he goes up to in that scene and says, uh, asks her something. It's like, I don't know. That was his wife at the time. Oh, so I thought I liked that. Um, okay, I've got a couple more here. Let's see. All mutilated. He must be a real right maniac, this fella. That's right. That was the cab driver, and I had to get that because uh, the cab driver was played by. Hang on, I got the name here. Mutilated. The cab driver was played by Alan Ford. And Alan Ford played Bricktop in Snatch, uh, which I love that movie um, from Guy Ritchie. And he's like, he's the main antagonist. And I love Alan Ford's accent. And just, he has this way of like hanging on to certain words when he's talking. And I I don't know, just the the way he delivers lines always gets me. And so when I, I started hearing his voice, he hadn't turned around to look towards the camera yet. I was like, wait a minute. I know that voice and he turns around and he's got huge teeth too. And I'm like, holy shit, he's young. Obviously this was, you know, 20 years before they had made snatch. So I made sure to capture that audio. Alan Ford is the taxi driver. Uh, And one more, and this is the kid in the zoo. Um, But this is after he loses his balloons. He just goes up to his mom. Yes, sir. A naked American man stole my balloon. What? 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 American man stowed my balloons. Just so uh, matter of fact. What? what kind of an accent? Like I know it's English, but like what kind of ink? Where does that come from? I want to know, Claire. Right yeah, into Claire. the show. <laughs> yeah. Right in. Let us know. Um, but yeah, that's an American werewolf in London. Uh, now that you've gotten to see it, it sounds like everybody had a good time with it, which is always nice. Uh, yep. we got we got positives across the board, so I've already made up for the host in my mind. <laughs> no, even close. Um, but you know, I'm especially glad, Faye, you got to see this because I feel like this is one you would ha- you should have seen when you were younger and kind of yeah had that just in your back pocket to always have. Is like, yeah, an American Werewolf in London. Sure, let's throw that on. That's a fun dumb movie because it really is. In the end of the day, it's really dumb, but it's so good. And there's a reason it became the cult classic that it is. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad we all got to watch this. This was um, this was fun. And hey, uh, we're gonna do this the rest of the month. Does that sound like sound like a good time to everybody? Because sounds good to we me. Don't talk, 
We don't Wait, talk horror movies enough. No, no. not at all. <laughs> so uh, I have to see the schedule's so clear psyched. first. So <laughs> you, if you enjoy this conversation and you don't know that the four of us do a horror movie themed podcast or horror themed in general called Gore, uh, we do. Monica started that and roped the rest of us into things. Uh, and uh, Now they're trapped forever because of the curse. Twice a month, um, we do gore. And uh, it is, what is the tagline? A podcast to keep you up at night? Yes. Did I get it right? All right. I think so. I don't know. I usually, <laughs> I'm usually... A uh, horror podcast to keep you up at night. There you go. Um, so we're, we are going to be doing on this show all month. Now, next week, uh, I don't believe any of us have seen this movie. We like to do horror anthologies and next week's movie is called XX. It is a horror anthology. I've Faye, seen, you it. Have seen it. You have. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have not. And I don't believe dread or Monica, either of you have. So we'll have three first time watchers of XX next week for our Horror anthology for Spooky Month 2022. Um, and uh, if you enjoy this show and you want to watch us record it live, uh, you can do that Sunday nights, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis um, for the live recordings of Wait You Haven't Seen. Uh, so you'll get to see the four of us all month here. Um, also, if you enjoy the show and you want to uh, you want to you want to help out a little bit, there is now a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash W-Y-H-S and support this show uh, for as little as $1 an episode. And uh, helps out a lot if you want to do that. Um, and uh, the show comes out on Wednesdays, anywhere you can get podcasts. So just look for Wait You Haven't Seen or go to tvstravis.com and you can subscribe to it in your favorite podcatcher. Um, Monica, besides Gore, where can people find you? Oh, well... You can follow me on Twitter and Twitch at WickedKitten13. And uh, you'll find out what I'm doing when I'm going live and all that jazz. Excellent. Dreadly, where can people find you? Oh, that's uh, a tone I've heard before. Interesting. Uh, I have put all my links, uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, uh, that's about it, uh, on a nice little website. And just go to thedreadzone.com and you'll find all that. Excellent. And Faye, where can people find you when they're not listening to Gore? Uh, on Twitter at Chibi Faye Lynn. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I had fun. I hope, I'm, I'm glad all three of you seem to have had fun this week. So uh, let's keep doing it next week with XX. I'm excited about that one. I'll be honest. When we were talking about what to do for this month and the anthology one came up. Um, there was a few good anthologies that we haven't covered yet, but there was, uh, there was some parts about this one that intrigued me. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So until next week in XX, and uh, I think we're a couple of weeks away from the next Gore episode coming out as well. Um, which, where can people find Gore by the way, Monica? Uh, uh, shit. Um, it's on the like, spot, let's go. <laughs> uh, anchor dot something gore podcast, anchor.fm slash gore podcast. Thank you. I think that's what it is. Yes, or you can that's follow me. us on Twitter at gore podcast. There you go. Please do. 
we, and we want to hear from you. What did you think of an American werewolf in London? What did you think of, um, what was our episode that just dropped yesterday? Oh, Friday? ring the Japanese. Mm. Yes. One. So follow at Gore podcast on Twitter. Uh, follow me on Twitter at TV's Travis. Um, and uh, you can get my musings on movies and pop culture as well. And uh, yeah, until next week and XX, this has been Wait You Haven't Seen. Enjoy your movies and um, yeah, don't leave the road. Remain sane, at least until you're no longer our responsibility. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>